What impact will the war have on the economy? Reporter Nomi Segal put the question to Professor Joseph Zeira, Professor Emeritus of Economics at the Hebrew University and a senior fellow at the Institute for Israeli Thought and author of The Israel Economy, A Story of Success and Costs. First of all, because it just started and we don't know yet enough how long it will take and how wide it will be, it's very difficult to make predictions. But we can learn from it uh, a little bit from history. And another thing is that we already have huge costs to the conflict even before the war. So I will explain them later because some of them are going to be exacerbated now. But uh, I would say that in general, the military costs of the conflict with the uh, Palestinians has been relatively low relative to the period of the 70s, 60s and the 70s, where we had an intensification of the conflict with the Arab countries, because there it was a, a war between conventional armies, which is usually very expensive. You lose tanks, you, you lose fighter jets. These are very expensive uh, systems of uh, weaponry. So I, I think that we will not see something like this now. On the other hand, we're going to have a, a significant recruitment of reserve soldiers, which is going to be harmful to the economy. And it's going to be costly in two ways. First of all, we produce less. It's hard to estimate the exact loss of output, but we can already say that if we recruited something like 400,000 people, and they're all young, so therefore it's something like 10% of the labor force. Now it's true that usually people who serve in these units are, not, are relatively young, something up to the age of 35 years old. And therefore uh, they have not gained a lot of experience in the labor market, so the productivity is a bit lower than the average. But we could say that this can cause, if it continues for up to three months, and I'm not sure how long the war will be, but if it will continue and the reserve service will continue to something around three months, then the cost will be close to 2% of GDP, which means we're going to lose 2% of GDP as a result. But usually, which, which is something we learned from the period of the 60s and the 70s, when you have a significant service of reserves, it has an additional cost that is usually people don't pay attention to. Because businesses are getting into trouble because people that used to work there and sometimes a lot of people are, are, are gone, are serving in the military. And, and they get into trouble, these businesses, and who do they turn to? To the government. And the government increases their subsidies to businesses. During the 70s, 60s and the 70s, the subsidization of, uh, of uh, the business sector went up from something like 2% to something like almost 12%. It went up by 10% of, of GDP. I have to explain 
how we measure public expenditures, we, we measure them as percentage of our total income, which is usually called GDP. So almost 10% of the income in the country was paid by the government to the business sector in all kinds of subsidies, subsidies to exporters, subs uh, cr cheap credit, and so on and so on. So this is something that we can already start to think about because we know that there is a significant number of people who, who went for reserve service. Now, even prior to this situation developing, the shekel was devaluing. We had inflation, uh, though that seemed to be moderating a bit. We have had high interest rates. Uh, there's a deficit. There were questions about Israel's credit. There is credit no rate. deficit now. The government doesn't have a large deficit. And, uh, and uh, I, I will say a few words about the deficit, but I don't think that so far the war will have a significant effect on inflation, on other things. It might have a recessionary effect, which is opposite to inflation. It might cause a recession. In the past, all our clashes with the Palestinians, like the first Intifada and the second Intifada, caused significant uh, recessions. For a number of reasons. First of all, there is a decline in tourism. Second, people go out much less outside to the shopping areas and people buy less. And the third and more important thing is that investors, people who make investment in new businesses and, and so on, they, they finally face a much higher uncertainty and risk and they invest much less. So these three elements in the aggregate demand usually cause recessions in times of clashes with the Palestinians. That didn't happen when you had a, a, a conventional war because during a conventional war there were huge demands, huge boosts to demand from the defense sector. But uh, And that might be might, might happen now as well, but not to, to that extent, not at the same amount. And the basically, I think we're going to have a situation that there is a danger of recession in, in the coming year. Without knowing whether it would be short-term or long-term, how impactful that would be? Again, we're in the area of speculation. It, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Because it doesn't necessarily depend only on the war itself. I don't know how much it will take and I don't know how effective it will be. And th these are big questions. But even if you give a, a huge blow to Hamas, the problem of what happens afterwards is not clear. Will there be clashes in the West Bank? Will there be clashes in the occupied Gaza? All these things are completely, uh, we don't know about them. And, and, this, and the fact that we don't know means that there is huge uncertainty, and uncertainty was never good for business. Now, even as we speak, there are discussions about formulation of an economic plan or program uh, to help the economy during this period. There's discussions of aid to reservists and to those who have been affected. Is there, does the government have the reserves of funding? Where will, does the money come from for all of these many necessary uh, supports? Well, again, I mean, 
definitely the support for the reservists, which is stipulated by law. I mean, they have mm. to receive something which is equivalent to their wages. And, and, and also the compensation that I spoke about before, compensations to businesses, subsidies to businesses, which they are already starting to demand from the government, that will cost money and that might increase the deficit. The question is whether it will be a temporary issue or a permanent thing. If it's a permanent thing, then the government should be very, be very careful not to increase its deficit in a permanent way. And the only solution to that is to raise taxes. And our level of income taxes and direct taxes in general is one of the lowest in the West. So we can afford ourselves to raise some taxes as a result. There's been some discussion on whether coalition funds should still be transferred or they should be redirected to some of the current needs. I, I know about these discussions. I, I understand some of, them ref, some of them make sense because some of these transfers have, be, have reached levels that are a bit exaggerated. Some of them it would be hard to do it because, uh, you know, there are school systems of the Haredi, which still have to survive somehow the situation. But again, I mean, you have to do it in a very careful way. There's no automatic solution. And even if they transfer them to, to better uses, these are not huge sums of money. We're talking about something like 2 or 3% of GDP at most. That would not be the full solution to the issue. So what would you say would uh, be points of strategy or your recommendation to align by for the Israeli economy to weather this period from your research and, and review of, of other situ- prior situations? Okay, l- let me tell you about one more element of my research and then I will go to the to my humble recommendation because I'm really more a researcher and I don't have... I don't want to use my economic knowledge to 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 give recipes for policies as much as possible. But my research has shown that in addition to the obvious costs of the conflict, which are the defense costs and so on, there are some opportunity costs which we don't observe. And that is by how much we could increase our output and income if there was some solution to the conflict, if there was some agreement. And and I found that these costs are huge. They are something like 30% of GDP. In other words, we could increase our income by 30% if we would have some political arrangement instead of the conflict. These costs come from mainly from two sources. One is the fact that people go to a very long service, military service in conscription, and as a result, they enter the labor market much later than in other countries. That's one cause. The second cause is the risk that's involved in the conflict. Because once there is risk, there is less investment, and as a result, there is less capital in the economy, physical capital, and as a result, we also have less less income. If you have less capital, capital, I mean capital goods, like structures, equipment, and so on, 
if you have less capital, you produce less, you have lower income. And that can, the, the, the income we lose because of the risk alone is something in the order of 26%. So if you add to that the 4% that we lose as a result of the long service in, of conscription, you get something around 30%. So people, so, and, and the risk now can be even higher as a result of the new eruption of the conflict. And, and we may lose even more than 26%. So I would say that the most important thing is to try not only to, to solve the specific problem of Hamas, but to reach finally an agreement between Israel and the Palestinians that will settle down the conflict and will lead us to more peaceful periods. And that would have a very large economic benefits to everyone, not to mention it will save lives. 